ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. It's good to see y'all here this morning. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, one, one cool thing I want to share with you that, that God has been teaching me about worship um, over the past couple weeks um, is that worship is not only just coming and singing songs and, and, uh, and acknowledging God and who He is, but um, worship is the key ingredient to setting our perspective right when we're having hard times in life. You know, when we're, when we're going through life and, and stuff gets hard and our perspective gets skewed, the number one thing that we should begin to do is worship. And, and that doesn't just mean come and sing on Sunday mornings. Um, it could just mean you spending time with God and acknowledging who He is and thinking about who God is. Because when we begin to worship, we begin to replace thoughts of, uh, that are lies from Satan about our certain situation that we're in. We, we're, we replace the bad that is in our lives with thinking about all the good that God is. And when we can do that, those thoughts, that is what it means to be renewed. Our mind is renewed as we begin to worship our God. And in the midst of those struggles in life, our perspective changes because we are reminded that we serve an almighty God that can meet us in that place and in that time. And our thoughts go to God and what He is and the goodness of God rather than the than the badness of our situation. And I just love that about worship. Isn't that cool? And on Sunday mornings, we get to come and we get to do it together. So we're going to sing a song now. It's called The Great I Am. That's just what we're going to proclaim to God is that you are who you are and God is all-powerful and almighty and wants to meet us where we are. And as we sing this, the offering is going to come around. If you're a visitor, um, there's, a, there's a flap on your, on your bulletin. Just take that. We would love to have your information and uh, answer any questions you may have, so fill that out. Also, if you're a visitor, there's cards out on the table out there that you could put in the basket as well. We, we just want to um, know you. We want to answer questions for you. Um, so I'm going to pray now, and our, our next song, the, the uh, offering is going to come around. God, we thank you that you are who you are, and you never change, God. And um, we want to, as, as a body, as your body, Christ, lift you up, God, and I just pray that as we focus our minds on who you are, um, that our, our life, the good and the bad, would come into perspective that you reign over us and that you are our king and that you love us. Um, God, just be with us this morning. Teach us. Um, speak to our hearts. We want to rest in your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Cornerstone. We are, uh, <clears throat> first of all, I'm getting over a little cold here, so you have to forgive me. I'm, I'm trying to get the inner Barry White going here, so <laughs> bear with me. Uh, we, we're starting a new series this week, and it's called Modern Family. And, and we're talking about uh, several things this morning as we kind of kick off the series. Uh, we want to talk about who, who this series is for, uh, why we're doing the series, and, and what the series is about. So uh, this, the, the first thing we're talking about kind of is... Um, who, who this is for, and, and so I guess my first question would be for you is, is, is anybody here married? Anybody have a spouse? Spouse, yeah, all right, good to see, good to see. Anybody who does not have a spouse would like a spouse, all right? It's all right, and that's okay to raise your hand. Okay, so, you know, we, uh, this is for anyone who's married, anyone who's thinking about possibly getting married, 
someday. It's also, is anybody a parent of any age? She's, yeah, there's a, look at that belly. <laughs> there's definitely a child inside there, yeah. Okay, yeah, this, this message, this series is for anyone who has a spouse, anyone who has a child, anyone who's thinking about getting married. This is for people of all ages. And, and being a parent is not just being a parent to a newborn, but you know, your influence uh, for your children lasts uh, throughout their life. And, and so we want to talk about that. We want to uh, challenge each other. And this message also is if you think of someone who is married or has kids not here, not in this church, this series is for them as well. And so we want to encourage you and want to challenge you. Think about who you can invite. You know, are, are there people in my life, you know, that, that, have mar that are married, that have kids, that could be here, that could benefit from hearing how God's word and how God himself can transform their life, can transform their marriage, and can impact their kid's life for this life and for eternity. So I want to challenge you and encourage you that this is a message for us, for all of us, but also a message maybe for friends and family that are not here. That can, that can be challenged and be encouraged through a message uh, from the Word of God about family. Uh, so this morning we're talking about who we want to start uh, by talking with, with ourselves and, and, and asking some questions uh, just about our own perspective on family. Were you guys giving a heads up on what we were going to ask you? <laughs> okay, so you've thought through this. That's not fair. But All right, the, the first question is a pretty easy question for you guys, and you've thought about these. And the fun thing about this, as, as we are family as well, this church, um, is getting to share thoughts from our own experiences and getting to share with you our own struggles, our own strength, our own you know, victories. Um, and, and that's a big thing that I think the church misses, is being able to share these things with each other and leaning on each other with experiences and, and accountability and different things like that. So we're excited to hear some of the answers from these guys this morning. First question, what is the best thing about family. As I was thinking about this, I think it all comes down to, to really love. I mean, the, the love that your family has for you is, and it seems like it's, it's different than love that you can have through, through friends or other individuals because it, it's rooted just on your relationship. I mean, that's kind of the basis of it, where it starts. And I feel that it kind of is, it's humbling because it's a small reflection of God's love for us where I realize my, love, my family's love is probably not completely unconditional towards me, but it, it seems like that here on earth that I mean, I can do all sorts of different things. I can mess up and I can still go back to them and lean on them uh, in times of trouble or times of stress. And I can look at them, look at them for help. Um, mine kind of goes along with his, but just uh, knowing that there's someone always there for you, whether, um, and we're not alone on this earth really. There's always someone there um, whether you have to reach way far out to um, a long-distance aunt or, um, or it's just uh, your child or it's your mother or father, um, that there's always somebody here with us. And that's just nice to know that we're not in this alone. Mine goes along with both of yours. <laughs> Since we already said love, um, just a sense of belonging, and, and it's really kind of along the lines of Carrie, what Carrie said, but that no matter what you do or say, they, they, they love you and they accept you. 
sometimes because they have to, but, <laughs> but I can think of uh, different people in my family who have been difficult at times or don't go along with uh, the, the direction that the rest of our family seems to be headed, but yet there's this unity because we are family, and that's very important to us. I looked at it from the point of view of, of children, uh, beings that we have four children in the temporary household. Uh, the scriptures are pretty clear about children being a blessing from the Lord, and I, I was thinking about the heritage that you have with, with, your, with your family, um, that, that you can impart um, Christian principles and biblical values and morals in the lives of your children, and then uh, hopefully, as the scriptures talk about, when they are older, they will not soon depart from them. And uh, my, my biggest joy that I look forward to is, is seeing my four children one day spreading their wings, going out on their own, and being ministers of the gospel and bringing God's truth to a lost and dying generation. Um, I don't want to pass anything to my children except that which is of the Lord and from the Lord. And uh, in my family, I don't know about the other folks up here, but I don't, I don't come from a long line of Christians um, I would say that, that obviously our immediate family and my family growing up, um, there's, not much, there's not much else Christian heritage in my family on, on either side. And so I, I, haven't, I haven't experienced that deep, found love that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. I haven't had those moments where, where, um, you, de- where you knew you were depending on the Lord and, and everyone was praying and, and seeking God's favor and His will. That just wasn't my family. It, it was just kind of willy-nilly. Everybody just kind of did their own thing, and, you know, and, and that's kind of how it was, extended family members. And so I didn't, I didn't have aunts and uncles and, and relatives and grandparents really to, to cling to and to ask advice. But more than anything else, I want that heritage to begin now in our immediate family for our children to, to know Jesus Christ and to serve Him wholeheartedly and have their utmost attention and devotion directed uh, to Him. Because, uh, you know, when I think of what are the greatest things of the blessing of, of being in a family, it's, it's being able to share Jesus Christ with them and have them live, live that out in their, in their life. So, that's mine. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I guess the second question, uh, that's kind of the positive side. Maybe... Uh, what, what are some struggles or difficulties when we talk about relationships uh, within the family? I think the biggest struggle that I have with family relationships is just with the busyness of life and trying to find, I mean, it seems like it's a daily prioritization task to be able to set time aside not only to have a relationship with my children and to spend time with them, but also beyond that to, to find time to spend with my wife and, and nurture our relationship. Uh, it's just like I said, it's just a daily struggle where every day it kind of resets and you think you're doing pretty well for a while and you have to kind of check yourself then when you get home from work or uh, whatever you're doing that day to reprioritize that and make sure that you're spending that, that quality time with them. And then when you kind of extend that out to, to your extended family to, it seems like the older we get and the more the activities that the kids are in and everything, to be able to find time where it works to, to visit people that don't live in town or to, to go visit um, relatives or cousins or even just our parents. And be able to find that, that time to set aside and nurture that relationship and keep that strong. Um, I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, there's kind of a sense of longing to be together. Um, and with the busyness of life, and um, I remember just last week sending Cora back to school. She'd been home for 
two weeks and we even got two extra snow days, but it wasn't long enough. Um, I wasn't ready to send her back. I said, maybe I should call in and say she's not feeling well. You know, <laughs> I would never do that, but <laughs> uh, I wanted to keep her home longer. And, uh, and, you know, when we go and visit family or family comes to, to visit us, it's never long enough. And we're truly blessed to have family that we, that we feel that way toward, you know, that it's never long enough. It's, we always want more time. So, yeah. I was talking to my dad about this, and he said that the problem is, is that people don't do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. But, and, and that's very true, probably especially with our kids being so little, we're really trying to work on them hard at this point where um, to direct them in that path that um, we'd really desire for them to go. But, um, but our own selfish desires do get in the way at times, and so that's probably a hard one for me especially because I, I see an end result where I want to take them, and, and I feel like sometimes we're just floundering, just getting, getting through the basics of day-to-day -day life, and it's hard to uh, just see past the end of your nose sometimes to... Um, let go of just the little the little details that you think are so important at the time and to focus on the big picture instead. I think one of the biggest challenges with being being in a relationship or having children too is is you're always on. You're you're always on and that should be that should be a good thing. It it really should. Um, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 he says imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul actually said, I want people looking at me. I want you to look at me because I'm imitating Christ. I'm, I'm being as he is, so, so imitate me. The problem with that is, is, you know, when you're always on and you need to always be on, you need to be authentic and genuine and real in your relationships, whether it's with your spouse or with your children, is that there's, they're always watching and they pick up those habits that you do and they pick up the things that you show them and, and you you impart to them. We have uh, a friends down in down in Florida, who um, mom was not of the Christian persuasion. Dad uh, was is agnostic, and one of the things that he would always say is that he didn't want to impart any spiritual or religious training to his children until they're eighteen, and they can make that choice on their own about where they want to go and what they want to do and what they want to study. Because he doesn't he didn't want to influence them in one way or the other. The problem with that is you're always on. So by telling your children that you don't want to impart truth or you don't want to impart your values to your children, what you're really saying is mommy and daddy have nothing to offer and you find whatever you want to find out there in this world. And think about how difficult it is to find truth in this world when we live in a relative age. And so, yes, it is a great challenge to always be on, but I, it's one challenge that I relish I want to have to always be on. I want my children to see mommy and daddy living out their faith. I want my children to know that there is truth that, that we do stand for. But realize we're going to slip up. We're going to err. Uh, we, we know First John tells us that if anyone says he's without sin, he makes God out to be a liar. And so, so mommy and daddy won't always do things the right way. But that's where we have to then come back to our children and repent and let them know that we are human, that we are honest, 
um, that we try to be honest anyway. But it's a challenge. And for those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are married, you know how difficult it is just to even do the right thing with your spouse and, 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 and be as Christ to your, to your spouse the way that you're supposed to be. For those of you thinking about that, you can think of relationships and how difficult it truly is to always um, exemplify and magnify the name of Christ. Thanks, guys. You guys can go sit. Good thoughts. Yeah, you can clap for them. I think the hardest part for me this morning will be sitting and talking at the same time. Uh, I'm a pacer, so I have a hard time sitting and talking. Can I stand? Is that cool? Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, you're welcome. You're a good friend. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the why we're having this series, because uh, this is not something probably that Cornerstone or many churches have a full series on marriage and family and those kind of things. And this is something that we've been in talks about for months now, um, about something like this. And for you guys, um, a lot of you know Karen and I's testimony, but um, reflecting on our own situation, again, seven years ago, our marriage was very nearly broken and almost, uh, almost done. Uh, I had made a string of bad decisions and was struggling, and uh, we didn't know what we were going to be able to do. And by the grace of God, uh, God saved our marriage uh, with a, a merciful and loving wife as well, a patient. Uh, we were able to be, get through that. Um, and obviously, it was not without struggle. It was not without a lot, a lot of prayer and accountability and, and months and years to be able to get through all of this. And over the last seven years, being able to get through that, that breaking point to the point we are now, uh, which I would say is a very good marriage and a good family, um, again, by the grace of God, God's given us lots of opportunities in the last seven years to come into contact with other couples struggling with the same things we struggle with. Uh, people we knew, people we didn't know. I mean, people knew our story, so they got us in contact. We've talked to people in California, Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, all over the place. We talked to somebody who's on the mission field. People struggling with the very same things we struggled with from all walks of life. But the, the, very, uh, the, the same thing uh, or the consistency about this was they were all from church. They were all believers, all struggling with the same things. They made bad choices. There was infidelity. There was addiction. There were a lot of things going on with these people we were talking to. And we're talking about missionaries, youth pastors, teachers, all over the place. And, and then in the last few months, it hit close to home as a, a couple on my side of the family started struggling with these same things. A couple on Kara's side of the family started struggling with these same things. So it hit real close to home. As we'd been dealing with this stuff over the last seven years and talking to many people, and then it's our family and we're going through this again, and Kara's reliving what she went through with us. Those last few months have been very hard for us, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, as we are trying to help save marriages. We're looking at little kids and trying to figure out how we can impart any kind of knowledge from ourselves, praying every night for these families that God would save these marriages, that He would protect these kids, that He would bring these couples back together. And so I remember, it was probably three months ago, Karen and I, we just got off the phone with one of the family members, and it was a very discouraging conversation, and, 
And for the most part, my wife has to take the brunt of this because, believe it or not, she does most of the talking in these kind of counseling situations. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys won't believe that, but she does. Um, because a lot of it is her understanding and knowledge of the situation and helping people through this. And we'd gotten off the phone, and Kara was just, she was bawling. She was in tears, struggling with this. And we were praying, God, we know you've put ourselves, we went through this ourselves, and you've put us in a situation to be able to help many, many people with this. And we don't feel necessarily adequate to be able to help these people, and it's not solely our responsibility, but what else do you want to do with us? Is it take us somewhere else? Is it put us in another situation? And very clearly, and Karen and I felt the same way, is that we're spending all this time and energy on fighting for marriages that are broken or at the breaking point, which we will continue to do for the rest of our lives. But we're not spending any of our time and energy fighting for the marriages before they get to the breaking point. Fighting for the marriages that are seemingly fine. Fighting for the marriages that have been there for years with no real big issues. Fighting for the marriages that are in their first year and things are really good, but things can change so quickly. And so Karen and I spent all this time trying to save marriages that are very nearly broken and not spending any time fighting for the marriages that need to re-energize their passion, reconnect relationally, re-emphasize the spiritual relationship that a husband and wife and the kids should have. All the way from, from you know, some of you kids that want to get married eventually to the, the longest married couple in this room. And I think that's a... And that's where I start talking to Kyle. I start talking to Nick, to Alan, and saying, we have this passion now. Let's start fighting for the marriages in our church. All of them. Our families in the church. As a church, let's make a, an effort to to reach out and try to do all these things, to hold each other accountable, to challenge each other, because God uses marriages as a huge tool in ministry. And I strongly believe that Satan is attacking the church, and he is attacking the church through families and marriages. He is trying to break up marriages all over the place. And I said, on the mission field, youth pastors, teachers, he does not want these marriages and families to succeed, and that's what's going to break up the churches, and he's attacking it. And so as a church, we want to fight that. That's a big why we're doing this. We want God to come in and, and us to be able to give him our marriages, our families, our, our future spouses, and say, God, this is yours. Bless it, and let us glorify you with what we're doing here. Let us take our families and our marriages and let us not be content anymore just to do the same thing over and over. I think you can relate your Christian walk also to how your marriage is because we get lackadaisical and we get into routine and we get busy and we don't have that same passion that we had when we first became a believer, when it was new to us. And in a marriage and family, when things are new and they're fresh, they're fun, they're exciting, and, and that goes a long ways. But for anybody that's been married probably more than a year, you know, sometimes marriage can be boring. 
It can be stressful. It can be frustrating and tiring. We've got two imperfect people trying to come together and love each other and, and not <laughs> push each other further away. Uh, and that's a really hard thing to do. And so that was a big thing that we wanted to talk about. That was a big reason why we wanted to have a full series on this. Uh, and we wanted to involve everybody because the church plays a huge role in this, a huge role. And so we don't want to be silent about this anymore. And the second part of this is 70 years ago when Karen and I were at our breaking point, we hadn't heard a lot of talk in the churches about marriages specifically. We hadn't heard a lot of talk about struggles that people had and about problems that you face and the realities that even in a good Christian family, there are huge mistakes that are made. And there is infidelity and there are addictions and there are these things that happen to the most normal of normal Christian families. And we didn't hear any of that. But when we were going through the struggle, they came out of the woodworks. Then people wanted to come talk to us. Hey, this is what we've been through. And, and we've gone through this. And we've seen this happen over here. And this person you should talk to. But nobody beforehand. And so Karen and I have always said, we don't want to shy away from our past and what we've gone through. But we also don't want the church to shy away from talking about the struggles you have. That's not a weakness. That's a strength to be able to, to come from your own experiences and share it with others around you. I mean, we've got marriages in this church that have been around for a long time, and I'm not trying to call you guys old. <laughs> but that's, that's something to, to praise. That's something to be rejoicing about and celebrate. These marriages that, you know, they've lived with the same person for a long time, and that's hard to do. There's people that we can draw off of experiences with, people that have struggled. I mean, you'd be surprised probably stories you would hear from each other. And so we don't want to be silent as a church. We don't want to be that church that never talked about it. What's awesome is we have some, some younger kids in here or college-age kids that will want to be married eventually. To be able to hear about those things before you get there, to know what you're expecting and, and what family looks like. Because the reality is this eventually spreads to our kids. Or is spreading to our kids, or has. So it's not just marriage, it's family. We want to be a great example in this church, and that's a part of this series. We talked to Kyle's brother Chad about this, and I think he said their church does a series at least once a year on marriage and family. A series, something similar to that. That's, that's how much they believe. That's how much they're passionate about the marriages and families. Because I know, I know, many of the marriages in here are probably struggling in one way or another. Many families are struggling with their kids and, and, and how to raise them right and, and do all these things. And guess what? We're going to continue to struggle. But the nice thing is, as we talk about it more, as we challenge each other more, and as we bring ourselves before God and talk about it together, things get better. We want to expose the darkness in our families and bring it to light. And that's what our goal is over these next few weeks. And Kyle will talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about but I wanted to hit you with the why because we're so passionate about that. And as a church, Cornerstone is passionate about the families. So my challenge for you guys is to come in open. Don't be afraid to look at your own lives and your own marriages and your own families, no matter how new or, or not even there <laughs> or how long it's been there. Um, and don't be afraid to talk 
afterwards to people. Don't be afraid to, to challenge each other. This is not just the people that are up here talking and sharing their experiences. This is everybody coming together as a church. I mean, we love our families, and we love our kids, and we want to be successful. We want so badly, and we have seen. I mean, Karen and I have seen. As I said, we've talked to 10 or more couples struggling with this. Some of them work out, but many of them don't. We've seen that heartbreak and what that does. So let's fight for it on the front end. Let's come together and let's deal with it now before it gets to that breaking point. Uh, so that, that's kind of the, the who and the why, that this is a message for all of us. We're doing it because we think the family is pretty important. And uh, with any family, it starts with the marriage. If there's not a healthy marriage, it's tough to develop healthy relationships uh, for, for the children. So that it, it's important. It's important to us. It's important to the church. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about is kind of, kind of what we're talking about. And the what of it is, if you've seen uh, the show Modern Family, I'm sure some of you have. It's the number one sitcom. Uh, it's on ABC. But it's the story of a modern family, only because it's in modern times. But it's a story of a, a dad and uh, his younger, voluptuous Latin wife. And uh, he has two kids, both, as you see throughout the episodes, deal with father issues. And um, the one is, uh, deals with some issues, they get through it. And then the other one's more of, a, uh, more of a nuclear family where there's, the guy reminds me of Tim. He's kind of doofy, goofy type guy, you know. <laughs> Have you seen it, you understand what I'm saying, and you can relate to it. That's, that's Tim. Uh, <clears throat> you know, with, with three kids, and, and so we kind of see them both kind of deal with things. But that's the modern family, the picture of it, right? That they have money, they're good looking, but we understand that the modern family in reality has a lot of issues. Uh, there are many issues. A and you can directly relate to what's going on in our world, the struggles that take place even within our country. It's because of a breakdown in the family. I saw this statistic yesterday that 41% of children are born into a family with no dad. 41%. You go into a classroom, four out of every 10 kids without a father. There's a breakdown in the family, isn't there? There's, um, this was, uh, Mike, Mike tweeted this. I, I get all, all my information from Mike's uh, tweets, so get on Twitter and follow Mike. But there was a, a top 10 wish list for kids this Christmas time. 10 things they wanted for Christmas. On that list was a dad. One of the top 10 things they wanted. Forget the iPad or the DS or whatever it is. They wanted a dad. The family is breaking down, isn't it? Reminders for us as a father within the family, our kids crave that. Our kids long for that. They want that. Their dad not only to be there, but to be involved, to be involved. Mike also, thank you, Mike, tweeted this. We think about young kids, but also older kids as well. Suicide is the leading cause of death among college students. And between the age of 25 and 34, it's the second leading cause of death. There's a breakdown, isn't there? There's a breakdown in the family. Not only among little kids, but then those kids grow up, and there's a breakdown. It also is involved in the marriage. Like I said, nothing I have is original, but I always steal people's ideas. Alan sent me this article, and there's a lady from writing an article on the Huffington Post and talking about marriage and 
she was struggling because she was going to take her boyfriend to meet her parents. That seems natural, right? We all did that at one time. We wanted our boyfriend or girlfriend to meet our parents. What was a little peculiar about this particular story is that her boyfriend was not her husband. She was married, had a husband, but was working through this issue of how to take her boyfriend, which her husband knew about, to meet her family, the modern family, right? There is a breakdown in the family. And so what we want to talk about over the next six, six weeks, five weeks, this breakdown and how we address it. It begins with the family. Our issues, our struggles as a church or individuals, as a country, it stems from the family. And we can see the story if you go all the way back and you can see it in the Bible. You can go back uh, to, the, to the book of Judges, and I want to read this story in the book of Judges. Judges uh, chapter 2. It said, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each of them to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. That's a nice way of saying they died. Had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him. There was a breakdown, right? A breakdown of the family. Tom and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, but for some reason, the nation of Israel would follow God. They'd see God do some incredible things. God would move in amazing ways. Short time later, they forgot about it. We saw it when we went through the book of Daniel. We saw it when we went through the book of Nehemiah. God would, would move in such awesome ways and incredible ways. You would wonder, how could anybody not love and follow God when they seen God do something like that? And then throughout the course of our discussion, we realized that you know, we can be like that at times as well. But how amazing that firsthand the nation of Israel could see these things and forget. They had followed God. They had followed his decrees. They had followed his law. and They had loved him. They had served him. And a time had come... When a generation arises that didn't know God or what he had done, why? Because there was a breakdown in the family. God has designed it, and you can read through Scripture that the family is what's going to lead the next generation to follow him. That the family, my wife, my kids, the family is how God has designed to pass his laws his decrees, himself, to the next generation and the generation beyond that. Now, the church comes along. The church plays a part in that. Other people can play a part in that. You know, we've got a great Sunday school program here. We've got a great youth program, and those things can come alongside it. But what God has designed and how God set it up is that it begins in the family. And I want to read some verses to kind of illustrate my point. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You know this verse. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
It continues on. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. What does he say? Get up Sunday morning, take them to church. Is that what he says? What's he say? When you lie down, when you sit up, when you're walking, as we're going throughout life, on our way to ball practice, before school, my, daughter, or my wife prays with my daughter as she's getting ready to start her day. As we go through life, you know, our kids see it lived out. That's what Austin was talking about, right? Kind of that authentic faith that we're living it out in front of our kids. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 4 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade away from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Not something just for parents, but for grandparents as well, right? When they, your grandchildren are in your home, to teach them what you believe. Joel 1.3 says, tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Again, we talk about that breakdown. You go back to Judges chapter 2, a generation arose that knew neither God nor what he had done because of breakdown in the family. The family didn't fulfill what God had designed them to do. Ephesians chapter 6, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction. Our job as a family is to train our children in the way they should go. Our job as a family is to tell our kids who God is, what God has done, and how he wants them to live their lives. And there's kind of a, a couple things to go along with that, two things. First is this idea of living in authentic faith in front of them. All right, see, I can, I can bring my kids to church. I can force them to go to church. I can force them to do all these things. But you know what happens? If I don't live that out in my own life, what good is it to my kids? Instead, they see this, and they're like, I don't want a part of that. My, my parents forced it upon me, yet there's no authentic faith in their own life. Man, they come disgusted with it. They don't want any part of it. Well, nothing to do with it. Where it has impact is that if, beginning with me, living out a real and authentic faith. First and foremost, what my kids, what my wife needs to see in my life is that I love Jesus, is that I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Above anything else, this is where it begins, in your own life. And this message is, and as we're going through and talking about the modern family, we begin, it's not this list of things that I need to do this and this and this, but there is a place where it begins, and that's your relationship with him, your love and your pursuit of Jesus. It has to begin there. It has to begin there. If you don't have that in your life, this idea of passing it to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, that there's a legacy, it's because I'm not living that authentic faith, that real faith to my kids, to my wife. So an authentic faith lived out in front of them. The second thing is that idea of teaching our children. There's three stages probably in, in our you know, teaching our children. I understand I'm still fairly young, although feeling older all the time. But there are kind of three stages. And the first one is this idea of to in, in, uh, indoctrinate 
our kids, okay? And you hear that word, you're like, well, I don't want to, you know, Austin talked about this. You know, he didn't, I don't know who it was, he said, but, at, you know, to the age of 18. I said, well, you know, I'll start believing because I don't want to, I want them to kind of learn on their own. This idea of doctrinating our children is basically to teach within them, to teach them, to teach them, show them how they should live. It is our responsibility to teach our kids what to believe, how to believe it, and why to believe it. Now understand, there's a, there comes a time when this faith has to become their own, when their beliefs have to become their own. I heard the saying that our beliefs are on loan until they become our own. Our beliefs are on loan until they become our own. And that's our responsibility as a parent, you know, to indoctrinate our kids and to, get, to teach into, okay? I, I, I do it with my kids all the time. Mainly we're dealing with Iowa State, right? <clears throat> we dealt with this last night with Cade. Ava's got this whole Iowa State thing down. She goes, all right, you know, I love Iowa State. I hate the Hawkeyes. Okay, she's got it down. Cade, on the other hand, he wants to fight us on it. Whole last night, my whole family's sick. We're all just kind of laying in bed and we're talking. I like the Hawkeyes. Well, he got, the, he got kicked out of the bed. Okay? He's in tears and crying. We're not getting back. You're not getting back in this bed till you denounce Iowa. Okay? Finally, he came around, didn't he? Yeah, he came around, and he said, all right, who in here likes Iowa? And he raised his hand, and then he asked everybody the question, okay? We're teaching him how he should live and what he should believe, you know, the important things. We indoctrinate our kids. This is our, our role. Now, obviously, that's a little less important. But, you know, my kids will ask me, Daddy, do we believe that? Is that something we believe? Yeah, that is something we believe. Or no, we don't believe it. See, we, we need to teach our kids, because if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it for us. And so our job is to teach them what they should know, teach them what they should believe. Our beliefs are on loan until they become our own. My job as a parent is to teach and to train, right? Train your child in the way they should go, and so when they're older, they won't depart from it. And training is not just bringing them to church on Sunday or talking about it every so often or saying, yeah, I believe in God. Training is, is diligently as you are walking, as you lie down, as you are standing. It's throughout life. And when circumstances arise that I can train them, okay, yes, here's why we believe it. Here's what we believe. Here's what the Bible says about it. I'm training my kids. I'm praying with my kids. I'm reading to the, the, the scriptures to my kids. I'm telling them who God is and what he has done. I'm telling them the message of Jesus on the cross over and over again. You can't hear it enough. We indoctrinate our kids. And then the next step is to interpret, talking about why we believe and what we believe. We're seizing teachable moments. See, we, we, we don't want to get to the stage where we're keeping kids, our kids, away from other kids that maybe don't believe the same thing, but there's a time we need to train them because life happens and they will encounter people that don't agree with them or don't believe what they believe. But these teachable moments, I can train my child so when they're in that circumstances, they know what they believe, they stand for what they believe, and they can impact the world around them with what they believe. And the last one is influence, kind of how our beliefs, and again, it comes back that our beliefs are our loan until they become our own. And we train our children when they're young, so when they're older, they know what they believe, they stand 
for what they believe. Our job is to live in an authentic faith and to teach our children to do the same. And we understand this is not a promise that everything is going to go smooth, is it? We know that we can do exactly what we're supposed to do, and our children still sometimes don't make the best decisions. Our job, first of all, is to live that authentic faith. This is where it begins. It begins with me. It begins with you. And ask yourself that the influence, and if I want to see my kids and the next generation and the next generation, that I know it has to begin with an authentic faith with me. And then it has to begin with me training my children in the way that they should go. That my beliefs, our beliefs are on loan until they become our own. We want to encourage you, we want to challenge you to be a part of this series, to be involved in this series, and, and pray and ask God what he can teach you through this. This is for all of us, you know, what, whatever age or however long we've been married or whatever age our kids are. This is a series and messages for all of us, and we're excited about it. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about marriage, and again, this is where it begins, all right? Now, obviously, it begins with ourselves and our relationship with the Lord, but within the family, it's got to begin with a solid marriage. It has to begin there. And then we'll talk about our relationships with our kids and ultimately end talking about the church's role in all this. So we're excited for this. We want you to be a part of it. We also want to encourage and challenge you. Invite people. Think about who needs to hear this message. Who needs to be challenged by this? So we pray that and encourage you guys to invite people as well. This is where it begins. The praise team is going to come back up and and we're going to sing, and we're going to continue to think about Jesus, uh, think about what he has done, and we want to be reminded that it begins with me, and it begins with my relationship with God. And all of us probably at different walks of where we are in our faith, but I want to challenge you this morning as we continue to sing and we continue to worship Jesus, I want you to ask yourself where you are in this authentic faith. I don't want to hear, you know, this textbook question. Yeah, I know that, yes, Jesus died for me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that's why he went to the cross. I know three days later he rose again. But I want to ask you, is that real to you? Is it real in such a way that it changes how you live your life? It changes your marriage. It changes how you interact with your children. And this morning we get to remember Jesus. We get to remember who he is and what he has done. And the bread and the juice are going to be up here as an opportunity for us to thank him, to remember him, that Jesus has died for us, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed. See, our lives should be lived differently because of the cross. My marriage should be different because of what Jesus has done. My relationships with my family should be different because of what Jesus has done. Also up here this morning, as you come up to take the bread and the juice, we want to encourage you to take one of these little cards with you. All it is is a challenge. It's a verse and a challenge. On one side, there'll be a verse. On the other side, there'll be a challenge. And it's for this week. You don't have to carry this thing to your grave with you, but this week, this week, keep that with you. Maybe you challenged and encouraged you to think about your family, to think about the impact that you can have on your family through your relationship with God, through your relationship with your wife. So keep it. Be challenged this week. Ask God to... To, to reveal how he can work in and through you for your family this week. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you 
We thank you for how you've designed it, how you've designed family, family to impact this world. And we, we read stories like we did in Judges and a generation arises that doesn't know you, that doesn't know what you have done. And it's because the family has failed. And God, we, we want to be challenged this morning to think about our own families, to think about our own marriages, to think about our own children. And we first, we want to live an authentic faith in front of them. God, so help us, help us as individuals to pursue you, to pursue Jesus, to love the Lord your God, our, the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength above anything else. Help us to pursue that so our, our kids know us as people who love you. This morning, we want to remember Jesus. We want to remember this great gift and this great thing that you have done for us through the death of your son. So we thank you for, for the bread representing his body that was broken and for the juice representing his blood that was shed for my sin, for my wrongdoing. God, if we don't know Jesus, if we don't have a relationship with your son, God, this morning, may you challenge us. May you challenge us to, to find out who he is, to, to ask someone who brought us or ask someone else, who is Jesus? And may we respond accordingly. May we understand our need for him. May we understand the forgiveness that comes through him. May we understand the right relationship we can have with the God Almighty through a relationship with Jesus. So God, reveal to us this morning who Jesus is, what he's done, and help us to live an authentic, authentic faith. We ask it and we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God, it's because of your love that we live and breathe. God, you are with us in everything. I pray that as we go this week and we focus on what you want from us and our families, God, that you would empower us to act rightly and to love our families the way that you designed, God. We thank you for our families and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.